Aren't you glad that he loves us? Oh, how he loves us. Beyond our ability to even comprehend how great his love, how much he loves us. And that's so important in the time and in the world that we're living in today because we're literally living in a world that's whacked out on worry. Two kids got it right. They're watching the TV and they're scanning through the channels. And the older kid says, ah, this is going to be an adult program. And the younger one says, well, how do you know? And he said, that's easy. When it's a grown-up show, all the commercials are for upset stomachs and headaches. (laughs) Did he nail that or what, huh? We're really living in a world that's whacked out on word. You realize that whacked out is an English legitimate word now. And the connotation that it holds is this, exhausted. And my observation is that we are increasingly living in a world that is exhausted because of the impact of worry in people's lives. You know, it used to be I'd go up to folks and I'd say, hey, how you doing? And, and the normal response would be, oh, you know, the cliche thing, I'm doing great, just doing great. Thank you, Pastor, for asking. And it's not that way anymore. I go up and I'm asking people how they're doing. I'm, I'm getting a totally different response these days. I'm, people are just going, I don't know. These are tough times, Pastor. These are hard times. I, I don't know where all this is going. I, I really don't know what the future is holding. What's going on? And, you know, worry is no respecter of age. My little six-year-old grandson oftentimes is expressing things that he's worried about. Up into senior citizens and in our church, people are worried. And, and, and every age in between. Worry is no respecter of gender. It's women and men. No respecter of the economic status in society or the vocational status in society or one's popularity or one's involvement. Worry is a weapon that Satan uses to drag us down. Mark Twain said, I'm an old man and I've had many troubles, most of which never happened. How accurate is that? In other words, he's saying, I'm an old man and during my lifetime, there's been a lot of trouble in my life. Most of it never actually came to fruition, but my mind thought I was in trouble. And and that's for that. Statistically speaking, 92 to 97% of the things that we worry about never happen. And yet we'll exhaust great energy physically, emotionally, and even spiritually worrying about things. That's why Jesus said in a great chapter, Matthew chapter 6, that is a chapter where he's exhorting us over and over again not to worry Jesus says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. He's just as open as he can be. Don't worry about things. And he goes on the list of things not to worry about. And yet so many of us are still whacked out on worry. We are exhausted because of the impact of worry in our life. Now some folks would say, well, what's wrong with worry? I mean, some, some people... Their life is characterized by worry. It's, it's a personal friend. They love worry. How many of you know any worry warts? You know any worry warts out there? Yeah, everybody knows some of those folks that just love to worry. So what's wrong with it? Well, there's several things wrong with it. Number one, it's an exercise in futility. It doesn't help. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't have any positive contribution to make when we're just sitting around and worry. That's why Jesus said in that same chapter, Matthew 6, verse 27, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? 
Some people worry about life. Oh, am I going to die? Do I have a disease? What's going on? You know, and, and, and Jesus says, why sit around and worry about it? Because you can worry about it all day. And when I'm going to take you home, I'm going to take you home. That's all there is to it. And we worry about so many things. And everything that we worry about is an exercise in futility. Dr. Lester Ayers said, worry always takes place on the level of fantasy because if it has not happened, it's not really real. And yet, the vast majority of points, 92 to 97% of the things that we worry about never happen because they aren't real. It's an exercise in futility. What you're worried about right now, that's all you're doing is you're worrying and you're stewing and you're fixating on whatever the circumstance is that has you worried. You're not going anywhere. You are stuck. And if anything, you're probably on a downward pattern. It also reveals a lack of faith. When we worry, especially those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, who claim Jesus Christ as our Savior, who claim God's sovereignty over our life, when we worry, it's actually evidencing a lack of faith in God. Jesus again, Matthew 6, verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And he concludes that that kind of an attitude is an attitude that lacks faith. Oh, you of little faith. In other words, if God ensures that the flowers have their beauty and the grass grows and the crops grow, if God does that, why do you doubt that he's going to take care of you, his prized creation, his final creation, his creation that he created to have dominance over everything else he created, his creation that was intended to have intimate relationship with him and with each other. He says, why do you think for a minute he's not going to take care of you? He says that is a lack of faith. And so when we are just focused on worry, what we're actually doing is saying, God, you're not there. God, you're not to helping me. God, you don't have a plan for my life. It also produces ungodly character. When we're stuck in this cycle of worry, what tends to happen? Well, one of the things that could happen is we tend to pull away from people. We don't have time for them. We get short with people and, and they'll come and, and they'll want to engage our family members, our kids, our best friends, our, our co-workers and all that. And, and we're, not now, not now. We just push them away. I, I, I can't think about that right now. I can't do that right now. Why? Why can't we spend time with them? Because we're fixated on that circumstance that we're worried about. Oftentimes worry will make us irritable. And we actually begin lashing out on people, not because they've done anything to us, but because we are physically and emotionally and spiritually all upside down. And so we're just kind of lashing out at people. We're venting that on other people. It can interfere very significantly with our productivity in life, with our ability to parent. And with our ability to, to witness for Jesus Christ, people see us as believers in Jesus Christ, and we're worried about the same things they're worried about, and they're looking at us thinking, I thought God was in control of your life. I thought you were a person of faith, and here you're just as worried or more worried than I am about this situation, so why do I need God? See, it produces ungodly character. It also produces negative consequences. And this has been proven time and time and time again. It can destroy health. People actually have fatal diseases that can be traced back in a large part or sometimes exclusively to worry in their life that is not checked. They're just worrying all the time. Ulcers and high blood pressure and heart disease and even cancer have been linked to people who worry all the time. It can incite envy. 
Looking at other people and saying, huh, their life is so good and I wish my, I had their life and I wish I had, didn't have this and why God, why me, I want to be like them. It, it bursts ingratitude and causes doubt and spurs on to depression and it brings discouragement into our life. It has all kinds of negative consequences. That's why it's not a legitimate practice in our life. Now, what I want to focus on in our remaining time this morning is winning out over worry. If you're stuck in this destructive pattern today, what are some things that you can begin to do to break the captivity that worry has you in? First of all, and foremost, trust God with tomorrow. You just got to trust God with tomorrow. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 6.34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, fix it on today. What's going on today? What can you do today? Don't worry about tomorrow. I've got tomorrow under control. In fact, Jesus' brother, the half-brother James, who later became one of the early leaders in the Christian church as it was developing, said this in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live or do this or do that. In other words, James is saying, that we need to embrace the idea that God is our sovereign, God is directing our paths, and so we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Matter of fact, we don't even know that we have tomorrow. All that we know is we have right now. We have today, and we need to live our lives saying, God, where are you taking me? Who do you want me to interact with? What do you want me to do today? What is your will for my life? It's not my life, God. It's my life that I'm living through you. Where do you want to take me? Jesus again, Matthew 6.26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? He said, look at the animals. Look at the birds. They don't work. They don't have jobs. They don't bring home pay. They don't go out and sow seed. They don't go out and harvest crops. And yet God, who created them, is mindful enough that he ensures that they are fed every day. And he says, aren't you so much more valuable to him than they? And so he says, don't worry about tomorrow. God's love never fails. Some of us need to, to, to embrace what David wrote in Psalm 42.5 when David said, why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Why do I feel this way? Why am I allowing this to have this impact on me? And he concludes, here's the solution. Put your hope in God. Trust God with tomorrow. Now, do something with today. Since today is what we have, we've got to do something with it. Something positive, something productive, rather than sitting around worrying about tomorrow. It says in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. In other words, we especially in the body of Christ ought to be encouraging each other today. We need to be focusing on what we can do for God today. We need to be focusing on how we can help others today. We need to focus on today, not worry about tomorrow.
Now, what are some things that we can do today that directly impact our worry? Well, one thing is that attack your worry with activity. Worry and fear are cousins. And we discovered in our series Face Off with Fear that one of the things you have to do with fear in your life is attack it. You've got to go after it. You can't sit back and let it have its devastating impact on you. If you're looking for a job or you're out of work or your job is insecure right now, then do something active today about that. Instead of just sitting there and saying, oh no, I might lose my job, or oh no, I lost my job, then start updating your resume. Start networking. Get with the Chamber of Commerce or other social networking groups and start networking and find out where there might be work or someone that you might be able to hand deliver a resume to. Do something active. If you've got this pain that's persistent, and, and you're worried about it, and you're thinking, oh no, there's something really seriously wrong with me. Well, go to the doctor and get examined. You know, instead, we'll walk around worrying about the pain. Oh, I know, I've got it this time. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, this is going to be the one. And we, we, we don't need, look at this rash on my arm. Oh my goodness, that doesn't look good. It's changing colors. That's not a good thing. And we don't go to the doctor. Go to the doctor, he looks at it, he says, hey, I don't like that. That doesn't look good. Takes a biopsy of it, finds out where you're at, what's going on, and he begins to help you to heal, to treat that disease, that illness, that infliction. But just worrying about it isn't going to do a thing. Whether it's a relationship, oh, my marriage is in trouble, oh, it's going downhill, I, I don't know, and we're just worried about where it's going. Well, Get with your spouse and agree to get into some marriage counseling and do something about it. Oh, my kids are running rampant. Well, get with family counseling. But do something. Attack it with activity. Don't just sit rocking in a corner worrying. That is an exercise in futility. It is not going to get you anywhere except pull you further down. Exercise regularly. This is a simple thing that you can do that will really help you to get control of your life and your emotions again. You don't have to run out and do a marathon. You don't have to go out and run five miles. All you got to do is go out and walk. Do you realize that if you'll walk briskly for just 20 minutes a day, your mind will begin producing a hormone called endorphin. Endorphin is like a natural tranquilizing agent. It will help your mind to be at peace. It will help you to gain control of your thinking process. It will help you not to be stuck in this pattern of worry. Just getting out and doing something as simple as exercise every day. Jettison your junky input. Some of the times we're worried and we feed that worry over and over and over again. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, the eye, of the, lamp is, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, Jesus is saying this, watch what you look at. Be careful about what you listen to. That junky input that's coming into you that feeds your fear is only going to drag you down. If all we're doing is, is listening to financial reports and that's our worry is our financial status, we're going to hear negative financial reports because that's what makes news. That's sensational. And so we're going to be feeding ourselves with that and what's it going to do to our worry about finances? It's just going to enhance it. It's going to make it grow. It's going to get it out of control. Maybe our worry is about relationships and we're listening and all of our input is about relational problems and other people who are having relational problems and we just kind of feed that fear. 
We need to be careful about what we're reading. We need to be careful about what we're listening to. We need to be careful about who we're surrounding ourselves with. Because sometimes we're surrounding ourselves with people who are feeding our worry. There's a lot of people who would join your worry club. They'd be happy to do that. Sit around, let them tell you about what they're worried about, let you tell them about what they're worried about, and everybody just kind of sit around and go, oh, woe is me. But what's that doing for you? It's not doing anything good. It's pulling you down. So you need to jettison your junky input. Change your lifestyle. Start feeding your mind with positive things rather than negative things that prey upon that worry. Redirect your worries. You know, we tend to fixate on this stuff. And we just kind of stare it down and it consumes us all day long. We wake up thinking about it. We, we walk through the day thinking about it. We go to bed thinking about it. We dream about it at night. It just is constant. And we're obsessed with it in our lives. We need to redirect our thinking. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can redirect your thinking. You can do it through leisure activities. You can do it through clubs. You can do it through reading a book. You can do it uh, through, through many different activities. But let me give you the one that, in my personal experience, has been the most beneficial to me to redirect when I'm stuck in patterns of worry. And that is to do things for other people. The book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now this whole passage starts out by saying, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. See, that was the way Jesus handled life. He didn't fixate on his own situations. He didn't fix on his own persecutions. He didn't fixate on his own rejections. He just kept helping other people. And he helped them all the way to the cross. And when we help other people, it helps us not to fixate on our worry. I'll tell you what, there's never been in a time in my life when I've seen somebody broken down by the side of the road, maybe a lady all by herself with a flat tire, and I've pulled off and got out and changed that tire, refused the money that maybe was offered, got back in my car. There was never a time in my life that I've done something like that where I didn't feel exhilarated because I had done something good for somebody else. And it wasn't about me. It was about somebody else. And I had used my life and used my energy and used some skill that I had to help somebody else. And in every situation we do that, whether it's, it's to just call somebody and give them a word of encouragement, or, or whether it's just to, to reach out and, and, and do some act, buy somebody who's having a financial hard time uh, uh, some groceries, or, or whatever it is, it is a win-win situation. They win, we win, everybody wins, and we're not fixated on that worry any longer. Practice thanksgiving. Practice Thanksgiving. There's an adage that says practice makes perfect. Exactly. We need to practice it. We don't need to just dabble in it and and think about it and occasionally go there. We need to practice Thanksgiving because it will have a really dramatic impact in our life, especially when it comes to things like worry and fear. Revisit your memorials. That's one way we practice Thanksgiving. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 77, 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Now, is there anybody here who's worried right now, and this is the first time in your entire life you've ever worried about anything? Anybody like that? I don't, yeah, well, maybe one hand in the whole place. God bless you. You're really fortunate. 
How many of you have worried about things periodically in your life, huh? This isn't the first time. Yeah, the vast majority of us fall into that camp. That we've worried about other things. And think back now, revisit those times when you've worried about something else. And how did that work out? Probably 92 to 97%, you worried and worried and worried, and what you worried about never happened. Because that's the statistic. Other times, maybe you hit the 8% to the 3% when something did happen and, and something really presented itself that was a challenge. Well, what happened? Are you, you didn't die, you're still here today. So what happened? God brought you through the challenge, didn't he? And so you need to revisit those times so that you don't let this be a unique experience in your life that you're dealing with right now. If God had delivered you before, then he's going to deliver you again. He's not going to abandon you this time. You might say, oh, this time, I don't know, because I've, I've, I've got to be honest, I've been living in some sin. Well, you were probably living in sin back one of those other times, too. And God still brought his mercy and his forgiveness to you and brought you through the circumstance. This is why I really challenge people who are going through difficult times to journal the times. Just get a book and write down all the experiences and the emotions that you're processing during the difficult times. And then how God eventually will either bring you out of it or what you're worried about resolves itself in a way that you never imagined and the worry never really came into reality, the thing that you were worried about. And later on then, when another season of worrying visits you, you go back, you get that journal, and you read through it and you see how God dealt with you in the past and those circumstances in the past. And you read that while you're reading the Bible and getting good input and being encouraged. And what happens? You grow, you mature in the Lord. And so the things that might have caused you to worry years ago don't even bother you anymore. They, they're not even a blip on your radar. Because God has encouraged you and he has grown you spiritually. And you have matured in your faith and trust in God. And you literally are living a life that trusts God with tomorrow. Retrace your roots. Now what do I mean by that? Well again, the Bible says in Psalm 37.25, David says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? We need to revisit our roots. God has never let us starve. God has never totally abandoned us. We need to revisit our roots. I remember when Stella and I first got married. We'll be married 35 years come this August. When we got married, we had nothing. We owned nothing. We had two cars. We were making payments on them. We rented a furnished apartment. And it was like one quarter of a big old house. And we lived in one quarter of it. We caught 16 mice our first month in the apartment. This was in Missouri. When it would snow, the snow would blow in through the cracks under the door, even though we'd put towels in that down there. And so in the morning, we'd sweep the snow out. The only thing we actually owned was a stereo player, one of those console stereo players that some of you remember. You'd flip it up, and it had a turntable in it. And this one had an 8-track in it, too. We were, we were top. Some of you know, what's an 8-track? And we bought that from her mom. That's the only thing we owned. Our coffee table was a footlocker that Stella put a decorative towel over. I mean, I was making 60 bucks a week, going to school full-time, working part-time. We had nothing. And you know what? We were happy. Because we had what's really important in life. We had each other. 
We had our relationship with God. We had our church and our church family. And we'd get together with some other poor students. And we'd clear off that footlocker coffee table and we'd play games for hours. And we'd just laugh and carry on and, and just have a time. And We ate a lot of macaroni and cheese and hot dogs. But you know what? We were happy. And we were blessed by God. Now, I'll be honest with you. I I wouldn't buy a ticket to the bus going back to those times. (laughs) I like where I'm living now. But I know this. If God changed the circumstances in our life so dramatically that we had to go back to a quarter of a house with 16 mice caught in in a month, we already know we could live like that. And we could be happy like that. And God would take care of us like that. And we would still have what is the most valuable thing in life and never forget that the valuable thing in life is relationship. It's not things. And so many of the things that obsess us and we're whacked out on worry with are the things that are the material things in our life. And we're afraid of losing them. Because we've long forgotten that we don't really need them. They are luxuries, not necessities. As long as we keep our family strong and we keep our relationship with God intact, we can handle whatever material things present themselves. And many of you, just like Stella and me, that's how you started out. And you now know that God can make you happy. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances life presents itself. Why? Because you have the most important things, God and others. Retrace your roots. Finally, build a faith team. Don't try to take life on by yourself. And so many people do that. And you know, here in the church, we need to be watching out for people who are doing that. Our first core value as a church here at Florida Bible is what? Be a friend. You know, we need to be watching and looking out for people who are living life in isolation. And we need to go and we need to surround those folks. And we need to encourage them. The Bible says in Proverbs 12.25, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. An anxious heart weighs a man down. In other words, a person who's worried, who's anxious, that's a weight, isn't it? And some of you have that weight on you this morning. And and you just feel this five-ton weight on your back of your circumstances and things that you're worried about. And, and, And you're barely able to take another step. You are emotionally exhausted. You are physically exhausted. You are spiritually exhausted. See, what you need is you need some friends in your life. Uh, we had a meeting here a couple of weeks ago about the church and some of our challenges and some of the hard decisions we've had to make. And, and I'll confess that, that Satan attacked me with worry during those times. And one of the greatest weapons, along with all the other things that I've shared with you today, that, that God gave me was people to encourage me. And people would stop me and say, listen, I'm praying for you. And I want you to know I'm, I'm behind you. And, and we're with you. And folks would text me messages with, with scripture in it, just, just some scripture verses that I would read and be reminded of God's greatness and God's provision. And see, just those little acts of kindness and sensitivity, that's why our first core value is to be a friend. It can make the difference. We help pull that weight of anxiety off the back of men and women who are suffering and who are captive to those worries. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. 
If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Pity that person. Build a faith team. Surround yourself with some people who will be positive. Now you can get all kinds of people to join your worry club. But they're not going to help you. You'll stay whacked out on worry. Build a team of people who can encourage you. And you be part of somebody else's team and encourage them during these challenging times. Let me ask you, where are you at this morning? Are you whacked out on worry? Are you exhausted by worry? Well, here are some things that you can begin to do today that will help you to regain emotional control, that will help you to gain physical control, that will help you to gain spiritual control in your life. Trust God with tomorrow. Do something positive and productive with today. Don't just sit in the corner thinking about what your challenges are. Do something to address the challenges. Redirect your worries. Again, one of the best ways to do that is to go find somebody else and do something for them. Even right now, think about somebody who has a need that you can reach out to today. Maybe just with a phone call and a word of encouragement. Maybe just a phone call and having prayer with them. Maybe actually going by their place and reading scripture with them. Maybe going by and a bag of groceries for them. Just encouraging them in some way. And it will encourage you at the same time. Practice Thanksgiving. Revisit those memorials. Retrace your roots. Build that faith team. I leave you with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Read it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your... Stop there. That's where it begins. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. All your heart. Part of your heart? All your heart. Well, when times are good, of course. Trust in them. No. All your heart. That's step one. What's step two? It goes on to say, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it all out yourself. You're not equipped to do that. You need God, and you need others, and you need His Word, and you need His encouragement. You need His direction. That's why you're trusting in Him with all your heart. You're not leaning on your understanding. You're not allowing yourself to sink deeper into the quagmire of worry and anxiety. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. That means when things are going great, acknowledge Him. Thank you, God. I know it's going great because of your blessing in my life. When things are going bad, thank you, God. I know you're down here in the valley with me. I know you're working out a plan. I know you haven't forsaken me. I know that that you're taking me someplace. I don't see where we're going, but I'm on the ride with you, and I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to keep doing what's right because it's right, and God, you're going to get me where we're going eventually, and I'm going to look back and say, God, how great you are. Amen. And what will happen when we do those things? And he will make your paths straight. That's his promise to you. Are you whacked out on worry today? That's not where God wants you to live. God has a higher place for you to live. And God will empower you to get there. Let's bow our heads. Right now, give that to God. What's bothering you? What are you fixated on? 
What is your obsession today? Give it to God. Trust in God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do it right now. Just give it to Him. Now where believers are giving that to the Lord, for just a minute I want to reach out to another group. There is one thing we should be very worried about in life. There's one legitimate worry. And that worry is where we're going to spend eternity. And we need to worry about that because the alternatives are extreme. One alternative that the Bible presents is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. It's not very popular to talk about. People don't want preachers preaching about it. But it's biblical, it's scriptural, and Jesus declared it. The other alternative is eternal life with God in heaven where He'll wipe away every tear from our eye and there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more death for those former things will all have passed away. The extremes are exactly that extreme and we need to have a legitimate worry about which one we're doing. But we don't need to carry that worry because God has made a provision to satisfy that, that concern, that worry. The vast majority of people today have acted on that provision and that provision is Jesus Christ's death on the cross Jesus died on the cross to pay our sin debt so that we don't have to go through life worrying about where we're going to spend eternity if we put our faith in what Jesus has already done and transfer our confidence off of our own goodness to work our way to heaven we can leave this campus today without a shadow of a doubt knowing that we have eternal life with God Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, every head's bowed. No one's looking around. Is there a man here? Is there a woman here today that right now still has that worry, still has that insecurity of where you're going to spend eternity? You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never allowed Him to cancel your sin debt in the presence of God. And you're not sure if you were to die today that heaven would be your home. Well, no one's looking around, but you know I'm speaking to you right now. Just so I can pray for you, would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, you can put it down. Pastor, you're talking to me right now. Yes, another hand. Yes, you can put it down. I don't have that security. Well, listen, God brought you here today, not by accident. God brought you here today to give you that gift. And it is a gift. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And right now, He wants to give you that gift, and all you need to do to receive it is ask for it. Just ask Him for it right now. Pray, God, I want that gift. I need your forgiveness. I confess to you that I am a sinner. I, I have violated your commands. I have offended you and others in my life. I may not be a criminal, but God, I'm not perfect either. And Lord, I want your forgiveness, and I get it now. The only place that I can get that forgiveness is through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the price. And so Jesus, as best as I understand what this pastor is saying today, I am transferring my confidence off of my own goodness, and I am believing that you alone have the authority to forgive my sin. And Jesus do that in my life today. Today, I call upon the name of the Son of God for eternal life. 
Now the Bible says to any man or woman who will sincerely humble themselves in that way. In 1 John 5.13, the Bible says, These things I write unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your provision. We thank you that you love us and you haven't abandoned us. We thank you that we can believe your scriptures and we know that we have nothing to worry about because nothing happens in our lives that doesn't pass by your throne first. God, we know you're with us in the good times and we know even more you're with us in the bad times and every time in between. So help us to trust you with tomorrow. And Lord, help us to do something practical today. Help us to reach out to others. Help us to find friends to encourage us and help us to be a friend to others who need encouragement. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name we pray. This morning, give it to God. Trust Him with it. Don't carry it with you. But just surrender it.